I'm not going to lie, that was one of my favorite Christmas songs, and we uh, live in a home with uh, four guys and one one woman, my wife, and so from time to time, after we hear that song, we go home, and all of a sudden, one of us will belt it out. We'll go, oh, come all ye faithful, and everyone will go like that, and then, oh, it's just dad, or oh, it's just James, and we love that song, so I'm glad you're here, and I won't do it anymore, okay, I promise, because I saw some of you doing that. <laughs> no, I shouldn't be singing up here. Hey, I am so glad you're here. And you know, one of the, one of the great pictures of, of Christmas is, is that it's good news. Don't you think the world needs good news? I, I look at our world around us and there's so much bad news. I mean, just think about what's happened to our country in the last two weeks with the tragedy in Newtown, Connecticut. Um, it's just incredibly violent. Um, no words to explain that. And then just within this past week, we had two of our officers who were killed on duty. I mean, that that's, hasn't been, that hasn't happened in a long, long time here in Topeka. And yet, you know, there's no words to describe what's happening there. And, you know, people come up to me as a pastor and say, Pastor Joe, how do you explain this? What do you say? What is there to say about this? What can you say? And I, I go, you know, I don't know that I have many words, but I know that there's one word that's very active in our world today. And that's the, the word of evil. There's evil in this world. And it's easy to look at the news and it's easy to even feel it here at, at home. Our, our world is a world of darkness. It's a world of evil. And we really long for there to be light. We long for there to be goodness here. We long for good news, don't we? And it's in this world of uh, evil that it's easy to go, evil is out there and therefore I got to lock myself in my house to protect myself and to keep secure from the evil that's around us. And you know what I found is that it's not just out there, but there's a, there's even a level of evil in here, in my heart. And, and it happens when I try to be good. You know, I had a seminary professor who once told me, Joe, you'll never know how hard it is to be, uh, how, how bad you are until you try to be good. <laughs> and that's true. And it's like, um, it's like marriage. I never knew how selfish I was until I got married. And I tried to love my wife and I realized how much of the world I wanted to operate around me. And then when we had children, we had three boys and we kind of looked in our eyes and went, we are really selfish because we used to have our time. We used to have our dates and now our kids are eating up all those things. And we, we had to give ourselves up for that. There's an evil within that, you know what? I don't, I don't care who you are, whether or not you believe in God, you can't look at the world today and say, there's not evil. It's very much there and it's very much around us. But it was, it was to this dark world, ironically, profoundly, Jesus was born in night. And it was in this environment that light appeared on earth. The light of the world, Jesus came to give us good news. And he appeared to shepherds out watching their field at night and, and, um, an angel of the Lord showed up and they were well, let's take a look at it. It's in Luke chapter 2. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, catch this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. You see, it was into a dark world of evil and brokenness that Jesus Christ was born. And when he was born, he wasn't just a a typical baby. This was God in the flesh. God came and engaged the evil world and endured in an evil world and lived in an evil world. And, and he not only did that, but he, he came to save us because unto us was born that day in Bethlehem, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And he was also the savior who would secure for us eternal life through his death and life that we have through Christ. And therefore, it's good news. It's not bad news. In the midst of a bad news world, we have this Christmas message that it is the good news of Jesus that will be for everyone, for everyone. This good news, the New Testament talks about it, it gives it a word, it's called the gospel. And gospel literally means good news. There's one verse in the Bible, in the book of John, that kind of summarizes what the gospel is all about, what this good news is. And here it is. It's in John chapter 3, verse 16. If you grew up in the church, you kind of know this verse. But if you haven't, this is kind of new to you. Let me just read it to you. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I want to just kind of break this down because it kind of explains it in two parts. It shows us, first of all, who God is. And secondly, it shows us how do we have a relationship with him. Who God is, it says, God so loved the world. There's a few things about that. Number one, it means that God's not distant and far away. He's very close and he's very near and he loves this world. This world of very different people, very different backgrounds, people who love him and people who don't. God so loved the world, which which means that God knows this world. And God doesn't just know this world. He knows you. He knows me. He knows everything about my life. He knows everything about your life. And he's kind of one of those people who know everything about you and chooses to love you anyway. I mean, there's no hiding with you, with, with God. He, he sees everything. And yet, even though he knows the truth about you, he still decides to love you. Why? Because God so loved the world. Not only does God know you, he understands you because he loved you. He, there's, there's never an emotion. There's never a circumstance. There's never a loss. There's never a victory that, that Jesus can't relate to because he took on flesh And he walked where we walk and he talked with people and he endured suffering on this earth. He endured loneliness and rejection. He hungered. He thirsted. He um, he cried. He knows every emotion that you've gone to because Jesus was God in the flesh who walked with us. He not only knows everything about us, he understands everything about us and he cares for us. And that's why the second part of this, God so loved the world that he gave. You know, it's easy to say these words, I love you, but it's harder to love them, right? Because you have to act on what you've said. And that's why it's, it's so important that you get this, that, that God doesn't just stay up in heaven and say, I love you, I love you. No, 
He's come down in Jesus and he's acted and he acted by giving us his one and only son to live a perfect life, a life you couldn't live and I couldn't live either. And, and to die on a cross, a, a final and a full death to pay the price for our sin. And then he didn't say that he rose again on the third day, which we talk about on Easter. But this picture of him coming to this earth shows us he loved us. He knows us, he understands us, he cares, and he gave us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And the good news is that everyone can be saved through Jesus. Everyone, for unto you is born this day. That means everyone. And you know, as I think about this, how do you become saved? If everyone can be, how are people saved? That's a great question. And most of the religious structures of this world try to answer that question. And they try to answer that question in you saving yourself. Here's how they do it. Hey, if you're good, just be good. Because God is good, you're bad, be good. Okay? So many pastors have a message every week like that. God is good, you're bad, now be good. And, you know, you get used to that after a while. But, But that kind of assumes that you really can be good enough that you can measure up to gain God's acceptance by being good. Some people believe that they can go to church. If they go to church, at least, I mean, at the minimum, okay? Christmas Eve and Easter, okay? We got those two big blocks checked out, and God will go, okay, I at least know him or her. They come into my house, you know, twice a year. That's not bad, you know? And, and they check off the box that that's what will save them. Others of them... Uh, and I've done this, we look at people around us and we go, whew, as long as I'm not as bad as they are, I'm doing pretty good. And so we can look all over the place for that. We can look on the newspaper and see, boy, a guy arrested for this. I'm not as bad as that guy. So I deserve to be saved. And what it does is it kind of obligates God. We kind of build this thing that you owe, you owe it to save me if I'm good. And It also gives this feeling of being rejected by God if you're bad. Can I just ask you a question if that's where you come from? Because you know what? A lot of people believe this. And we find here at Fellowship, a lot of people come here thinking they can save themselves. Thinking that they can be good enough. And the Bible says you just can't be. Sorry. How good do you think you have to be to be good enough? Because I've found, as I played that game... I, I found that I'm my greatest fan. <laughs> so I'm always making myself in, not out. And God never does that with me. God never compares your life with anyone except Jesus. And what that means is all of us need to be saved. Uh, there's a phrase I use here often when I preach, and that's the ground is level at the cross. In other words, none of us deserve this. It's simply given to us by Jesus. None of us are any better than anyone else in this world. We simply decided at one point in our lives to stop trying and start trusting in the work of Jesus for our lives. To stop trying to do good things just for the sake of trying to impress God and and start to rest in what God's work has already done for us. You see, the good news of Jesus is the simple truth that Everyone can be saved by believing in the gift of Jesus. Everyone. Everyone. 
That's why um, the angel said to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And see, God knows it even more than we do. Even He understands who we are even better than I do myself and you do yourself. And he knows we needed to be saved and that we couldn't save ourselves. That's why we needed his one and only son to come in the form of a baby and to live on this earth and to die on a cross for our sins. Uh, Peter, when he was preaching after the life of Christ, he said this in Acts chapter four twelve. He says, and there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See that? The scriptures tell us very clearly the only one who can save us is Jesus. So it requires all of us to take that kind of defining moment in our lives where whatever brought you here, whatever you thought you come up to this point to to impress God or to act in a good way so that he owes it to you, We have to all step away from that. We have to stop trying in ourselves and we need to start trusting in the work of Jesus. Only Jesus was good enough to pay for our sin. And that's the good news. That's the good news because Jesus is the greatest gift ever given to us. God doesn't come to us with this huge list of requirements of religious rules and regulations that you've got to follow before you cross the line into being saved. It's simply trusting in what's already been done for you. And those who believe in the gift of Jesus, as John 3.16 says, they will not perish, but they'll receive eternal life. Every one of us can be saved by receiving the gift of Jesus. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Now, you're going to get some practice over this, these few days on, on opening gifts. And how many of you like to do that? Okay, how many of you wouldn't agree, you know, like to but don't want to raise your hand? <laughs> you know, we, we all like to get a gift, don't we? And, and a joy for me as a, as a father now, I'm kind of over that. Boy, I can't wait to see what I get, you know. I'm over that, okay. But, but to see my kids open their gifts, I love to see that. And you know, over the, over the course of me being a dad, I've never had my kid going, ha, it's about time, dad. You owed this to me, man. You know, if they did, I'd probably take the gift back, you know, but, but none of, none of our kids do that. Why? Because it's a gift. It's a gift. And a gift isn't earned or deserved. It's given because you love someone and you care for them. And it's received as a gift. It's not received. You know, you don't pull out your pocket and you go, here, have some money, dad. Take this. No, none of my kids. Why? Because they understood the concept of a gift. That's what salvation is. It's the understanding, the concept that when God has done this for you and has given his son for you, you simply need to believe and receive it. That's what makes everything we do here simple. It's not complex. And, and even better yet, It's what makes it good news. Because if you would have to work or perform it, it wouldn't be good news. It would be a burden. And you would view God as an obligation. I found that a much greater motivator for everyone who believes in Jesus is to live a life of of love in, 
in gratefulness for what God has done. That's kind of a proof that you've received what he's done for you. Is you stop trying and you start trusting. You stop keep trying to do things to impress God. And you live with the confidence that it's already been done for you on the cross. Now this morning I got up and I just was thinking and I was wondering and I was praying and I was thanking God for the opportunity to present this good news to so many people. Uh, This is our largest group we've ever had within these walls at Fellowship Bible Church over the course of these four services. And so I really wanted to speak clearly and I think it's important that we speak clearly and speak simply about this good news of Jesus at this time. But I don't want to just speak clearly. I want to offer it to you. I want to offer the gift that Jesus offers to you. And all you have to do is simply, once it's been offered to you, as it has through Jesus, is believe in the work of Jesus and you'll receive it. Because everyone who believes receives salvation. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 10, he says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. So how do you call on the name of the Lord? How do you call? You simply, I, I, you talk to God. And you say something like this. And I don't want to put words in your mouth because I want it to be from your heart. But you simply take that moment in time where you go, God, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for knowing about me and understanding me and caring for me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe that Jesus is enough. That what he did on the cross, he pays totally for my sin. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't fully understand it, but I trust in it. And I receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life because of what Christ has done for me. Now, that's what it means to authentically cry out to God and say, God, Thank you for saving me through Jesus. And it says here, for everyone who calls on the name, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You know, I love being a part of a a thriving church like this where people love God and love others. It's been a crazy ride over the past 10 years to to, uh, try to lead this church with our other elders. But I'll tell you this, I love it when people start loving God. And they stop trying to live for themselves or to live in this performance mentality with God and start living by grace, thankful for what Christ has done for them on the cross. I see a life transform. I love when that's happening in our church family. But even better yet, I love it when people join the family of God through their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what you become. You become part of God's family when you believe in the work of Jesus. And it's a family that shows a lot about the truth of God and a lot about the love of God. And they in themselves become good news for the rest of this world. It's my hope that if the gospel, this good news makes sense to you, you wouldn't leave here without receiving, responding to that gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your love for us. I want to thank you so much for giving us Jesus Christ. And we thank you for 2,000 years ago, entering this dark world of evil and engaging it, 
defeating it through your life and death and resurrection. We believe in you. And we are so thankful that we can be part of your family. Thank you so much for this time and help us all to never forget that salvation is a free gift offered in and through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. I'd like you to take out your candles at this point because we're going to demonstrate, as we've done for several years now, just the concept that I've just talked to you about. And that is Jesus was the light of the world who shined in a dark world and he called as the light others to come to the light, to come out of darkness and into the light. And what we're going to do as we, as we celebrate this concept is, is we're going to light these candles. And I'm going to start with just my one because this is going to show you as Jesus entered this world into our darkness, he came to live in us. And his light wants to be given to our lives so that as the light of Jesus enters our lives, we wouldn't just keep it to ourselves. We would share it with others. So as you get this light, this light from one candle, we're going to move it and fill this whole room with the light from this one candle. And it will symbolize what Jesus wants to do in this world. Because later in his ministry, Jesus would say, not only was he the light of the world, but you're the light of the world. A city on a hill should not be hidden. Let your light so shine. And that's what we're going to do as we sing these final songs. I'd ask you to stand if you would. And um, I'm going to start down this aisle. Parents, you just keep a hand on your kids with the light. And if you'll move across and just transfer it across these aisles as I start you.